Uh, we're in a series called From This Day Forward, a marriage series that we began last week. And these, this line that we speak every time someone gets married, we talk about from this day forward. We're going to unite our lives, and from this day forward, we're going to be there for each other, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. We make these commitments. And yet how many marriages don't last? And so we want to say again, we want to recommit during this series to say from this day forward, we're going to make some new commitments. And if we make these five commitments from this day forward, our marriage can look very different heading into the future. And so we've been talking about five different commitments, and we talked about the first one last week, which is the seek God. Remember, seek God. And we talked about the importance of that, that, that God is our number one, our spouse is our number two, and that we would seek the number one with our number two. That when God is at the center, when we seek God together, the closer we grow in relationship to God, the closer we grow in relationship to each other. And there is great intimacy there in a relationship that is centered and focused in on Christ. And I give you one challenge. What was that one challenge? Pray together. I hope you have taken that challenge. And I hope that I heard some of you saying, hey, we started this and it's been great for us. And so this may be a new practice for you. It was a good reminder for Shannon and I to be more intentional about that again. And every night this week, as we have at times in the past, before, you know, going to sleep, we're in bed, we hold hands, and we say a quick prayer. I think our shortest one this last week was, God, we're really tired. We need the rest. Good night, God. Amen. All right, so it doesn't always have to be all fancy and theological. I gave you permission. It's, but you, you're uniting together to still pray about something. And so we talked about that. And we also talked about if you're not married, the time to prepare for marriage is now. That's the best time, right, to get these principles down and that you would seek God, you would seek your number one while preparing for your number two. And that that begins to lay a really strong foundation for your future uh, marriage and, and relationship. So today, we're going to continue on. Actually, the second one now is, you see the boxing gloves, which is fight fair, all right? The fact that you're here together and most of you seem to be sitting next to your spouse, that's a good sign. We're making good progress. That We're going to talk more about that. The smiley face, the next one is this. Have fun. Have fun. Next week, have fun. Going to be rated PG-13, just a little forewarning. So you may um, you know, let the little kiddos take advantage of all the children's ministry and Splash Zone. Uh, so fair warning, yes? All right, very good. Next we have this, stay pure. Okay, we're going to talk about stay pure, a key commitment to fail-proof your marriage. And finally, the last one is never give up. If we put these five principles into practices, these five commitments you're going to fail-proof your marriage. You are going to put a solid foundation that's going to allow your marriage to sustain and to uh, stand the test of time. So today we're going to dial into number two, fighting fair. You guys ever fight? <laughs> anyone? I just want to make sure I'm speaking to anyone. Anyone, anyone ever have any fights? All right. I, I, I knew our, our marriage could have some fights and when it was on our first year of marriage. And this was, this was and it's still to date, probably one of our biggest uh, fights that, that we've had, which... Anyway, we'll, we'll see where that goes. But we, we, were, uh, we were married. Um, we were married. It was our first year of marriage, and we were driving down to Indianapolis from Anderson, Indiana. And we were, we were going on a date that night. And I think we had pulled over to a restaurant through a drive-thru and picked up some, some food. I think just kind of like to hold us over. And, and, and Shannon, you know, ordered something. I ordered something. And, you know, we're driving, we're driving down the highway. And, and as I finished my food and was done with my stuff, I reached over and I, I grabbed some of her fries. Why are you laughing? <laughs> and, I, and I think I had some. Maybe she didn't notice. But then there was the time where I, I think I grabbed the last of the fries. And I, and I finished the fries. To which 
Rude. Yeah, I understand. I mean, come on, we're married. We are one, right? We are one. These are my fries. These are her fries. And I thought she was kidding, but she was like, what did you just do? I'm like, those are my fries. I was like, what are you talking about? Those are our fries. And I, I want to She's like, no, I wanted that many fries, and I ordered this many fries. If you wanted fries, you should have had your own fries. And I thought, like, you can't be serious, right? Like, these are, she's horrible. I mean, you don't know what I have to put up with. This is, don't use that mic. She has a mic over there. No, you don't get to use that. Uh, and so we we got into this little this little you know fight and and then there was that silence you know what I mean it's sort of like this you know I'm driving and she's sitting there and just this awkward silence and and it's funny how even sometimes some of these mundane little things right can be a trigger point sometimes to really go further now that wasn't a serious fight but for us it was sort of like this first kind of sense of we're kind of like coming at it from the opposite direction and there's there's some there's some tension here and so. Today I want to talk about how do you fight fair? And how can you even avoid letting something get to the point of a fight? How do you let something that just is a minor disagreement, a difference of opinion, how can you keep it from escalating to an all-out fight? I should have probably started off today with like a, a clip from Rocky IV, right? You know, I mean, just to kind of one of those battle rounds where, you know, Rocky's going against Ivan Drago, you know, the Russian, and they're duking it out and they're fighting. And sadly, I think that sometimes takes place in marriage, behind closed doors. Sometimes I hear it in our street, in our neighborhood, or things like that, and you, or you hear it from other people. You see the, you see the tension that can be in, in relationships. And so how do, you, how do you create an environment where you fight fair? Because couples do fight, but how do you fight fair? Now, all couples fight, but healthy couples fight clean. Unhealthy couples fight dirty. And this is where the unhealth in the relationship begins to happen. And one thing I want to look at is, is this. Healthy couples fight for resolution. Unhealthy couples fight for victory. Just let that sink in for a minute. Healthy couples fight for resolution. Unhealthy couples fight for victory. A lot of, a lot of couples approach any kind of disagreement or argument like this. Now, if you're married to someone, um, you're going to have differences of opinions. You were raised in different homes. You were brought up differently. You have different opinions, different ideas, different ways you're wired, different things that are important for you, different habits, different approaches. And here you are sharing this life together. So there are going to be differences. And I think what happens in marriage many times is we view these differences and say, the way to win this fight is for me to get my way. If I can get her to see my side, if I can get him to come over to my side, if in the end it is done the way that I want, if we resolve it in the way that I want, we win. No, we don't. I win. And what can happen in marriage is you can win the fight and your marriage can lose. And I think couples don't understand this sometimes. It's like, I got my way. She bowed down to this, this idea. She finally bent and broke or he finally gave in. And we think, victory. And what we've done is you've actually knocked your marriage down. Your enemy is not your spouse. Your enemy is an unhealthy relationship. The things that come in to want to just destroy your relationship. And over and over again this morning, I want you to get this visual into your head. This is not how we are to fight and approach relationships, or, uh, disagreements and fights. This is the difference. You have to understand you're on the same side. If couples would understand that even in our disagreement, even in our fight, even in the tension and the drama and all the anxiety that comes with it, we are on the same side of the table and our goal isn't victory at the expense of one or the other, but that victory comes when we resolve this issue. When our marriage is stronger, when there's a peace there, when we feel heard, when we feel understood, when we feel like we have just strengthened our relationship, even though 
we have had a disagreement. And so the goal for today is going to be, how do we go from this position in relationship to next to one another on the same side of the table? Can we get that in your heads? Because that's going to be the focus where we go today. Now, in Proverbs 27, 15, it says this, a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. (laughs) I couldn't find one for men in Scripture. (laughs) But I think it applies equally. Women, can I get get an amen, right? (laughs) It is better to have severe hemorrhoids than to live with a husband who is a jerk. All right? (laughs) That's got to be somewhere in there in, in Scripture. But the, the fact is that these are, it, it's a, it's a wear on a relationship. When there's this, when there's this constant nagging, dripping, fighting, arguing, tension, it really breaks down marriage and you cannot find, you cannot find that peace. And so what we're talking about is how do we f- fight fair? And I want to talk about some, some rules and we're going to look at a key scripture this morning. Actually, we'll look at two, but here's the first one. And it's this one out of James chapter one, verses 19 to 20. It says this. Everyone should be Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Say those three things with me. Should be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. This verse, we're going to look at these three different parts for three rules on how to... You'll have disagreements, but how are we going to keep them from escalating into an all-out fight? So the first one is this, right? Be quick to listen. Or you can say it this way, stop and listen carefully. What are we often quick to do in a relationship when it comes? Yeah, we're quick to respond. We're quick to job, you know, to speak back. We're quick to slam the phone down, hang up, run out, close the door, escalate. We're quick to do these things. And what I love about this scripture are these pace words. Be quick to do this. Be slow to do this. And there's this pacing of a, of a conversation and of a disagreement that's going to really help us not get into some of these uh, knockout, dragout kinds of fights. So everyone should be quick to listen. Now, we all have, a lot of us, most of us probably have smartphones, right? In a relationship, as spouses talking, what are we sometimes prone to do? I'm just finishing up this text, just checking up on Facebook. Are you listening to me? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I got it, hon. I got it. What did I say? Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember, right? We're not, our attention isn't focused on each other. How do we dial in? How do we really listen? Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. A fool doesn't want understanding. He just wants to say what he wants to say. So the wise person seeks understanding. And so what we want to talk about, how do you listen? When I deal with uh, you know, premarital counseling with couples, I always go through an exercise of active listening. Any of you, maybe, you know, if you had a course of something like that in college, maybe you learned, how do you actively listen? One of the things that we talk about here is, is reflecting back what another person says. So, for example, you have a couple, and they have a disagreement over something. And, and so maybe it's like this tension is always like, how do we spend time together as a couple or as a family? But how do I also find time to do my own hobbies, my own things, or hang out with my own friends, right? There's, there's going to be a time tension there. And so these things can escalate in relationship and marriages to the point where it's like, you always you, you know, want to hang out with your friends. You always want to play video games. You always want to do your hobby. Or you never want to spend time together. And it gets into this kind of tension. Well, the way that we talk about active listening is when a spouse could say something more calmly and rationally and just say, you know what, I understand that uh, it's important to you that we spend time together. It's important for me too. But I also like to spend time with my friends. 
I need to have that outlet. I need to have that time. And, and there's a tension in the relationship. Now, how many of you are always that civil when you speak to one another? Right? I mean, that's, a, that's another thing. We'll talk about how to speak. But, but let's say we say that. Now, when we hear that, typically, or somebody comes, our spouse says something like that to us, what do we do? We put up the defensiveness. But wait a second. We just went on a date last week. Or you always spend all this time with someone else, and we come back and we prepare our words to, to counteract what was just said, right? We, we're kind of like two attorneys trying to duke it out and make the best case for the other side. Now, when it says here, be quick to listen, slow to speak, right? Quick to listen slows us down to say, let me listen to my spouse and what did they say. And one way to do that is to reflect back to them and to say, what I hear you saying, what I hear you saying is that you, you enjoy spending time together, but you need to also be able to have some time with your friends, right? And, and when you don't, that makes you anxious. Is that right? Imagine if you're the, the spouse that hears that reflected back to you. How do you feel in that moment? Yes. Or if you didn't get it right, no, no, you still didn't quite get it. it what I'm really sensing, I'm not frustrated, I just, whatever. But this, this reflecting back versus coming up with your own argument, your own side, the thing you're going to wallop back is you repeat back what you heard the other person say. And it begins to take the pace of the relationship down. It de-escalates versus the tension going higher, higher, higher because you're coming back and you're fighting. You're listening. You're stopping. You're slowing down. And it makes just such a different uh, pace to the, to the conversation. And it de-escalates the fight. Be quick to listen. When was the last time you really took the time to listen to your spouse and what they're feeling and how they're feeling about stuff and how they're dealing with things versus giving an opinion, giving your idea, saying how it should be? And the way we do that is just to, to either sit back and ask, how are you feeling? What's going on? How are you feeling about things? Or also just to kind of just say when, when there's a tension there, say, let me get this right. Because look, it, you're not coming at it from opposite sides, right? This whole situation of one in the corner here says, we want to spend time together as a couple. I want to have time alone. That's a, who's going to win now in this battle? There is no winner, right? But now you're coming at it from the same side, and you, you sit on the same side of the table, and you're going, all right, my spouse is obviously dealing with this issue. We're trying to figure this out. How do we come to resolution? And it basically doesn't pit you against your partner, but it puts you together on the same side. And it just, again, it keeps the focus on the issue at hand and not on your spouse. So that's uh, the, the, the listening part. And that's hard, right? And, and, it's, and I think Scripture talks about first, stop and listen. I think it's important because the first thing we want to do is, is to speak. And so the first thing, step back, pause, breathe, ask a question, reflect back, and listen. Number two, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Guard your words faithfully. Words are weapons, aren't they? In, in, in a marriage especially, in any relationship. But words can be weapons, and they can be so painful. And he says here, be slow to speak. And it's so easy to let our words fly, isn't it? To just, to just kind of like, does that feel good sometimes, just to let your words fly? Nobody's willing to admit that. I'm all sitting next to your spouse. No, it doesn't feel good. And so, I mean, sometimes it just, it just feels good to let it rip, you know, just to let it fly. But what's the long-term impact of that, right? Again, it's, it creates tension. It creates anxiety. We're cutting somebody down. Slow to speak, to slow down, and to take, um, to take your time. Now, two questions that you should ask when you're thinking about what to speak. And here's, here's two. Write these down. Should it be said? And should it be said now? Just because you feel something, just because you notice something, doesn't mean it needs to be said. At dinner time, it's a little burnt. <laughs> Game number two. Should it be said or shouldn't it be said? <laughs> should it be said? No. How many of us have said it? 
<laughs> okay? <laughs> maybe it shouldn't be said, or maybe it should be said in the sense of maybe your, your, your spouse is saying, hey, I'm making this new dish. Tell me how it tastes. I want to know so I can make it better, so I can, so I can figure it out. So there, may be a, there might be a time for that to say it. But the other is, should it be said now? Right? You're coming home, you're dealing with an issue, or it's, again, for, maybe in my case, I come home and, and Shannon's, the kids are going haywire. It's like, you know, late in the afternoon, she's trying to get dinner ready, trying to juggle everything, and I want to have a serious conversation, or I have a question, or I have something I need to deal with. Is that the time? <laughs> it seems obvious, but sometimes we don't, we don't take the time to say, should it be said, and should it be said now? Can this wait? And, and again, Shannon's very good sometimes saying, you know, I, I, I really want to talk about this, but right now, I can't give you the attention that it needs. Can we talk about this later? She often says that, almost those exact same kind of words, and doesn't say it like in a, in a, in a, in a kind of condescending way, but it's sort of, it's the, part of that act of listening, saying, I really want to deal with this issue, but right now is not the time, right now is not the place. Let's wait till we put the kids down, or let's wait till whatever, you know, or let's wait till we're not, you know, quite, quite so, so angry. And so there are many things, most things are better to discuss when you're not in the middle of the conflict, right? And we want to go in the middle of the conflict because what happens when we're in the middle of the conflict, our emotional temperature goes up, right? Our adrenaline goes up, our pulse goes up, our palms get sweaty. Um, I mean, this is, it, it's a process, right? It doesn't instantly go there. Some of us faster than others. But then we're ready to go and we've drawn the battle lines. We're in our corners. We're ready to fight and we're ready to have all the arguments ready. How many of you ever do that? You've got like five arguments ready to go in the case, right? Come on, let's fess up here, right? I mean, I did... You're speaking to somebody who is going to be an attorney one day. <laughs> so I, I like to argue. Um, I like to win arguments. I find the thrill in going back and forth and, and doing that. And so sometimes the logical thing goes, oh, and, and here's another reason, here's another reason, here's another reason. And we come ready for battle. And so what we need to say is, look, can you find a time when you're not in the middle of the conflict to discuss it when your anxiety is lower, when the tension isn't high, and to have a civil conversation? That there alone will help some of you overcome some of your big battles. Is In the heat of the moment, don't get into that fight. Don't engage it at that point. Say, hey, here are the issues. I do want to talk about this. When we calm down, you know, when we count to 10, take a few minutes, or maybe later on, we'll talk about these things. And, and here's something I'll remind you of again at the end, but I, I, I really encourage you guys to do this. It's a marriage checkup. I don't know if you've done this, but maybe find a d- time this week or in the next two weeks, I'd encourage you this week, where you find a time, if you have kids where the kids are in bed, right, and you're, you're at home or maybe you go away on a date and you just do a marriage checkup and you ask, yourself, you ask each other two questions. And one question you ask is, um, and you have to invite this from the other person, right? This isn't a time where the other person just goes out. You, you invite it and you say, what am I doing right now? Start positive. What am I doing right now that uh, makes you feel helped in the marriage, blessed in the marriage? You know, that, that just makes you feel whole. What, what, am I, what am I doing that you just want to, you know, that you feel good about right now? What's a strength? You start there. And then you ask a question, and maybe just one question like this is, what's one thing that I can do to help you out more or to bless you more? What's the one thing that I could do? And sometimes you could say what I could do more of or less of that would really bless you. And you ask that question, and you invite that feedback, and now you've got to make sure you don't immediately get into a battle stance. All right, whatever you're going to say, I'm going to come back, and, and, and I'm going to defend it. But you do this when, when, when things are good when there's not a lot of tension in your marriage and all of a sudden you have an openness to kind of like, like let's talk about the marriage because look, we're not on opposite sides of the table. We're on the same side wanting to make our marriage better, don't we? We want to make our marriage better, but how often do we actually talk about and say, what would make our marriage better? And we have to learn to, to speak those things. And, and even when I do premarital counseling, I ask a question that, that I have each couple make a list. 
and it's the, the more of, less of list. It's a wish list. Here are three things I would either like you to do more of or less of. And you write those down. And it's always fun to hear them read one to the other and read back one to the other. I wish you would be more fill-in-the-blank. I wish you would less do this. Think about that in your marriage. Just what could be done to do more of? What could be done less of that would strengthen your relationship? Again, do that in non-anxious times. To, this is how we, we speak to one another. Now let me give you a couple other quick rules here, six, six little sub-rules within the speaking. Never call each other names. Never call each other names. Because what that does is it takes the focus off of the issue, and all of a sudden now you're attacking the person. You're attacking the person you're supposed to be on the same side of the table with. You've drawn the battle lines again. You, blah, 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 blah. You, cheater. You, liar. You, whatever. And, 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 and we're accusatory in those. And that does not solve anything. It just draws the battle lines. Never call names. Never raise your voice. Easier said than done, right? <laughs> oh, I see a little smattering of chuckles around the room. Never raise your voice. I gotta say, this is, this is Shannon's strength and less, less my strength. Again, I, I get energized by, by a good, a good conflict. Um, and, and, uh, and, and it's easy for the tension to, to raise up, but to keep your voice calm. To keep things from de-escalating, to say, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna yell. I'm not going to yell at you. If i got to yell, we're not solving anything, right? Have you ever convinced somebody by your yelling? Did you ever bring your spouse over to your side by yelling at them? No, never. I mean, did, did your spouse ever go, oh, you're yelling. Yes, I agree. You're right. You're so right. <laughs> never. But that's what I was saying earlier. Sometimes it just feels good to let the words fly, but it doesn't build anything into it. So listen, and this is sometimes where you almost have to have this out-of-body experience in your own, in your own arguments. Can you step back sometimes and be self-aware enough to go, I'm getting really anxious, like I'm, I'm shaking, or my pulse is quickening, or I'm noticing my voice is being raised, or I'm short of, of breath, or I'm speaking faster. What, what's happening? I'm, I'm getting much more anxious. Emotional energy is building up. We're not going to solve this. We're not going to find resolution if I'm raising my voice. Never get historical. You guys know what that is, right? It's called the scorecard. <laughs> The scorecard, bringing up things that don't have to do with this issue, but you bring in other things, you bring in the last time, and you're keeping the score from, from all the way back, and you're bringing more and more stuff in. You're losing focus off the issue you're talking about, and you're bringing in all other kinds of stuff. And again, it will not lead to resolution. Never say never or always. You always, you never. Are those typically true? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew that was going. <laughs> we feel that way, right? But what it does is it gives no room for grace. It gives no room for that exception. And of course, if you're the spouse and there was one exception when you've been excused, no, that's not true. Remember that one time, right? And now you're not dealing with the issue. You're fighting about the never or always, right? And so, again, it doesn't, it doesn't lead anywhere good. <laughs> it's hitting home, huh? <laughs> never threaten divorce. Cheap shot. Blow the belt. The second you threaten divorce, my way or divorce? Is there resolution in that? Oh, oh, I don't want to get divorced. I'll agree with you. We have a great relationship now. Oh, and you yelled at me too, and that felt good, and so I want to really work together. No, the second you throw that trump card in there, you have weakened the foundation of your marriage. Don't threaten it. There's no business in an argument. The reason you're arguing... Don't threaten divorce. 
work to say we're on the same side of the table. Our enemy is not my spouse. It's this issue that we're dealing with, this thing that's threatening to tear us apart, that's threatening to end our marriage. That's the battle, not my partner. How do we work together to resolve this thing? And finally, never quote your mother or mother-in-law during a fight. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that one. All right. So, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The third point, handle your anger righteously. Now look, it, I found it interesting that it said, be slow to become angry. It doesn't really say don't become angry or that you can't become angry, but it says sort of this pacing. Slow, it's kind of like saying, so, and I'm sure there's one of you in your relationship is more so than the other spouse able to ramp up anger much quicker, right? We have different energy trajectories to anger. Some have a very short fuse, and it's like, boom, zero to 50. You know, zero to 100 miles an hour, anger, <laughs> Right? Especially to that spouse, that partner, I'm talking about lowering the pace. Slow the speed. Yes, there's anger there. It comes from something. But can we slow that pace down? And in, in, in Ephesians 4, 26, 27, the verse that we're going to put up here, it actually it says this in verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. It doesn't say don't get angry. It doesn't say you can't get angry. But what's saying when there is anger, don't let anger turn into sin. Anger is an emotion. Anger is something we feel. So it's how do, we, how do we deal with this anger? And how do we slow this anger down so that this issue can be resolved? And the verse goes on. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. For the, la- the last series we talked about, about the book of Joshua. Remember I, I said the one verse out of the end of Joshua that um, we have framed in our house. says, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Right? And I was like, we put that as a plaque like right in our entry when you come in. I think this scripture should be on the plaque on everyone's bedroom above their headboard. The scripture. Could you imagine, right? Or embed it in your heart, the scripture that says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not let the devil get a foothold. Because here, this is the thing, the foothold. What happens when the devil gets a foothold on your relationship? He gets it through the anger. He gets it through the disagreement because he's pitting you against one another instead of you being on the same side. And so this idea of how do you put that up over your bed and say, look, we are not going to go to bed anger. We're, we're going to deal with this issue. We may not sleep tonight, but we're going to talk about it. Now, I don't think we have to take it so literally in the point that says we will never go to sleep because I think you also have to apply the principles of are we still too much in the heat of the moment of this argument that right now it wouldn't be beneficial for us to talk about it. But the point being, we're not going to let this linger. I'm not just going to shove it back down and ignore this issue because what happens when you ignore issues? They build up, they build up, they build up. This is the pressure cooker. And you might be saying, hey, I'm not getting angry, but what's really happening on the inside? Anger's building, anger's building. At some point, you're going to blow. And so this, what this is saying is, look, deal with the anger issue. Don't suppress it, don't hide it, but deal with it in the right way and, and, and resolve this conflict with each other. Now, I'm going to refer back to week one on this. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Pray together. In the midst of your fight, in the midst of your anger, in the midst of you, you know, each like huffing and puffing to turn your back towards each other in the bed, you know, like, you know, those physical things we do to really show we're like mad, you know, or like the extra loud stomping, the louder door closing, or the, the hanging out in the other room, or the, the silent treatment. You know, all these nonverbal things that we do that communicate anger. If you do that stuff, you know, you got to work on that stuff. But at the same time, what, what Shannon and I have found too, when we do these, these prayer times or we, we, we go to bed. Again, it may not be a long prayer that night. It might be like, God, 
We don't feel like praying right now. We're pretty ticked off at each other. We don't know what the answer is to this. Um, help, us, help us resolve it. We need your wisdom. Amen. You didn't, you know, it's, it's not everything's fine, not everything's fixed. But what did it do? It put you on the same side of the issue, right? You're praying together about this issue that's threatening to really drive a wedge into your relationship. And don't withhold the goodnight kiss from your spouse when you're angry. You know, the goodnight, I love you. There's been many times where we've just not maybe ended on the best note on an evening, but one of us still rolls over to the other one and says, goodnight. <laughs> the kiss and goodnight. You know, I love you. I love you too. <laughs> We're in this for the long haul, I know. It sucks right now, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. We'll get through it. We're on the same side. There's no winner or loser in this battle. We're, we, both, we both have to win on this. And so it's, it's continuing to say, look, I'm not going to let the devil get a foothold. And, and what happens is we, it's the smallest things that let the devil get a foothold. When we turn from a legitimate complaint, something that says, you know, like, I'm not happy with the way this thing is. That's all right. You express those things in marriage in a positive, in a constructive way. But when you get into criticism versus that, that, you know, then you're starting again to lob bombs. Now you're getting critical spirit and nobody wants to be around that. When you show contempt, like I said, through the body language, through the motions, through the way you're acting and, and you're really kind of despising the other person, you sense that from your spouse. It's not constructive. The defensiveness deflecting off of the issue, let's put it on something else, or I'm not even going to deal with it, you know, I'm getting defensive. Not helpful. Stonewalling. <clears throat> Shutting down. Turning off. Statistics say 85% of men are 85% more likely to do this than women in a relationship. To hit the point where it's just they're just shutting down. And it's so frustrating for the other spouse because you're not even giving any kind of reaction. Sometimes I'm sure you would much rather have like a negative reaction than no reaction at all, right? Like give me something. Let me know at least this bothers you, you know, or that you have some fight in you. Like don't just completely shut it out or ignore me or just disengage. That's a dangerous place to get to. You've got to stay engaged in the relationship from this day forward. But we never act that way. We don't, we don't talk civilly in our relationship. When we get, you know, I, I'm a hothead. I lose my cool. I get angry. Yeah, you do. But from this day forward, you're going to work on that. That's just the way I am. No, you're not. From this day forward, you can change. But that's how we deal with stuff. That's how my parents did it. Well, fine. From this day forward, things are going to look different. If you're not going to make the change, if you're not going to say we're going to do things differently, I'm going to watch my tongue. I'm going to slow down the pace of my anger. I'm going to be quick to listen. I'm going to try to really hear what you said, really hear what you, what you feel. If you're going to choose not to do that stuff, then you're heading down the same path you're heading down. But if you say, look, from this day forward, we're going to try something different. We're going to allow God to speak into these things. I'm going to do this little marriage checkup. We're going to ask each other, how, how are you feeling about things? How's it going in our marriage? Is there anything that we could do that can improve the quality of our relationship or of our marriage? Is there anything I can do more to help you or to bless you? Ask those questions. Do that this week. Set aside the time. And of course, for those of you who aren't married, all these principles relate to all kinds of um, relationships, right? I mean, this is the same thing that holds true in, in conflicts with friends, with your parents, with siblings. These same principles hold true. But you know, some of you may be wondering, why are we doing you know, why would a church spend five weeks on marriage? What is, you know, like, why don't we talk about you know, the Bible and the Old Testament and you're just pulling a scripture out here. Why, why spend all this time on marriage? Not everyone's married. Why would we spend time on this? I believe that marriage is the central relationship in which God wants to show us and reveal to us his love. And it's the central relationship in which we need to practice our faith. 
You know, some of you are great out in the community. You're great at work with other people and the way you act and the way you, you know, live out your Christian values. But boy, when that door closes at home, your spouse kind of goes, he's not the same person at home as he is in public. What you see, you know, she's not like that behind closed doors. The place where we first live out and love our neighbor as ourselves, right? Love Lord your God first. Love your neighbor as yourself. Live out these Christian values is with your spouse, is in your home, is with your kids. And if you can't get it right there, you're failing. I don't care if you have those great relationships at work and with friends and others. If it's not first in your home, you're missing it. Allow God to say from this day forward, I'm going to learn to communicate and speak with my family in a different tone. We're going to get on the same side of the issue, not draw battle lines against one another because we're not going to give the devil a foothold. And all the devil needs is a little foothold, right? It began with him hanging the underwear on the door, <laughs> right? He followed the trail, you know. Whatever the, the, the dumb issue is, don't let the devil get a foothold. And what I just want to come back to again, what we said last week, is see Christ. Right now this morning, if some of you are really dealing with some, some tension in your relationship, or there's just some issues that you keep coming back to that you come back to an impasse at, get on the same side. One way you do that is through prayer and to say, God, just be honest with them. We can't seem to agree on this. We always get at each other on this. Or I can't seem to give in or give up or, or compromise anything in this. Bring it to God and say, God, we need help in this. We need your wisdom. And so maybe just in this time as we close in worship, you come together, if you're here together as a couple, and you say, we're going to take communion together. Communion represents Christ's surrender himself, laying himself down, which the Bible says, right? Husbands, submit to your wives as Christ submitted to the church and laid his life down for his bride. What a great example of saying, I'm going to submit, I'm going to surrender. We're both going to surrender to this issue, and we're going to deal with it together. We're going to surrender to Christ. Come, take communion and say, God, thank you for the forgiveness you've given me, for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood, for breaking your body, for the forgiveness of my sins. Help us in our relationship to be forgiving. Or maybe you come and you light a candle over there together as a, as a couple and saying, look, we need to rekindle the life and light in our marriage. From this day forward, we want this to symbolize a new starting point to get right in our relationship. Or maybe you want to pray with somebody. Come over here. Tim and Edith will be willing to, to, to pray with you. We'll have somebody in the back to pray with you. Maybe you just want to kneel and pray. Maybe you're here to, alone. Maybe your spouse doesn't give a rip about church or God. And you're kind of going, now that would be great. Work on your side of it. Pray, seek God, fight fair on your end, de-escalate. All these things, when you begin to do that, even from one side of the relationship, it's going to affect the overall relationship.